Gordon, what are you doing? No, the other Gordon that I'm waiting for. <laughs> It's Friday, September 20th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, a master's student in civil engineering and royal beard correspondent, and with me today are Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and Brexit Muppet Stalker, even though we all are Brexit We're all, all Brexit, we are all Brexit Muppet But you insisted yeah. that we would uh, call you this. Uh, and uh, we're also joined by Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News, senior Swarte Pete correspondent and sexy Brexit Muppet. <laughs> I said that. Yeah, you, you, you wanted me to call I have it no that. One, yeah. I have no one to blame. You insisted on that. Could you explain why exactly you are a sexy Brexit Muppet? Could you first explain what the Brexit Muppet is? For, so for, the for Brexit Muppet who... is is all of the evidence that we need that the Dutch should be running Brexit. Because it would be going <laughs> should just be better. running Britain as they yeah. did successfully in the 1690s. <laughs> the Dutch government yeah. in preparation for Brexit has been doing things to actually prepare, unlike yes. the British government. And one of those things that they did was created the Brexit Muppet, which yeah. is like a man, presumably, or woman, yeah. a full-grown adult in some sort of fuzzy blue suit. Yeah, with a giant blue head. It's giant... like some football mascot yeah. crossed with a Muppet. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of weird. And he's he or she, as gender unspecified Muppet, <laughs> has been going around and, uh, you know, being present at Brexit-related yeah. events. It's and kind stuff. of in the star of the show, and I think we need to deflect attention from Steph Block, because if you just put Steph Block it's up, no, one, no one's going to pay attention <laughs> right. to him. They all immediately fall asleep. But if you have the Brexit Muppet... And yeah. everyone's been very obsessed with the Brexit Muppet. Yeah, the, the, the first image we, we've seen of the Brexit Muppet was him laying Ling, on yeah. the desk of Steph yes. Block yeah. in a very drama, like one of your French, French girls, girls uh, yeah. position. Exactly. And um, what was he doing last last week? He was then, laying in front of a door in yeah. order to block people coming in, demonstrating like, as, a, as a metaphor for yeah. Brexit. They had a business conference, I think, for businesses to say, are you Brexit ready? And yeah. he was and with lying one, in front with of this the... one single event, yeah. the Dutch government was more prepared for Brexit <laughs> yes. than, uh, than the UK government. Anyway, so the point is, is that we got into this discussion about the Brexit Muppet. And Paul, you said, you know, if we celebrated Halloween in the Netherlands, I would dress up like the Brexit Muppet. To which I said, okay, now I'm throwing a Halloween party and you have to come dressed up like the Brexit Muppet. <laughs> and in, you know, full support of the patriarchy, I will dress up as a sexy Brexit Muppet because that's what women and girls are supposed to do on Halloween. Exactly. And right. that's how we got here. Um, yeah. And Paul, and, uh, what are you doing with your beard? Yes, uh, we will discuss this later on after the break. We will uh, talk endlessly about Prinsjesdag. But the real you mean budget day? The budget day. But the real question uh, about Prinsjesdag wasn't what are the new... Uh, government policies yeah. what 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 will our taxes do what yeah. will our economy do no the real question was will the king have a beard or not can we mm -hmm. answer that question now no, no. i don't think we no, should we no. Have to no we're okay. gonna have to uh, we have to keep listening i was yeah. very yeah. excited this is a cliffhanger yeah. yes Speaking of cliffhangers, uh, what's the uh, op-hef of the week this week, Paul? <laughs> the uh, op-hef of the week is... This is uh, so dumb. This it is, is very dumb. But yeah, op-hef is about the dumbest things. I know, yeah. but this is dumb even from op by op-hef yeah. standards. So the op-hef of the week is about a debate in the Amsterdam City Council this week about a letter of complaint sent by a person who just recently moved into the capital Sjordaan district. But in the nine-sentence-long letter, the expert, or yeah, that's what the Telegraaf does, him. I'm yes. not sure if he's really an expert, but he complained about the church bells of the Westertoren, which in his opinion are way too loud and the hourly ring keeps him out of his sleep. 
he proposes to silence the bells from midnight to 6 a.m. And uh, in the letter, he also referred to a scientific study about the effects of church bell-induced insomnia. Well, at that point, that makes me wonder if it wasn't, in fact, a Dutch person. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they actually referred to some evidence, <laughs> in, some in, evidence in the middle yeah. of a ludicrous rant. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, <laughs> and, 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 I, I, I was confused also because the only thing we knew about the letter was that it was in English. And this is why it was presumed to be a quote-unquote yeah. expat. But I wondered if it was a Dutch person just writing in English. But then I actually read the letter and it sounds very British. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the funniest detail about this letter was that it was sent at 1.30 a.m. Yes. Yeah. And so he probably couldn't sleep and yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, he, he w- or he was awoken by the 1 a.m. Uh, church bell ring yeah. and then yeah. started to write his letter. Although 1 a.m. you don't get... Surely that's a lot quieter than, say, midnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got I, far fewer bells. You know, yeah, maybe he went to sleep uh, five minutes past midnight. I'm not yeah. sure what the scenario maybe is. Maybe it took him a long is... time to write this email. Yeah. An hour and ten minutes. <laughs> that could be as well the case. <laughs> yeah, but local residents in Amsterdam uh, went up in arms when the letter showed up on the council's official agenda and also social media and Twitter soon joined thereafter with comments urging the expats to go home or move to another house and one local councillor said if silencing the church bells is your suggestion then what you're saying is that you shouldn't be here because this sound is part of Amsterdam. I mean, the reason I think that this is so dumb is because the the council gets like 45 bajillion crazy emails a day, I'm sure, in Amsterdam. And this is the one that they've chosen and mm. not like the people who are emailing in to be like, do you want to join the Illuminati? Or yeah. like Gordon from down the street is cursing me with his w- witchy nonsense kind of stuff. I mean, the council just must get like a litany of crazy emails. I think so, yeah. Maybe this was just the least craziest yeah. email they got uh, in, in that week. Yeah. I don't know. The thing you know I find the funniest about this is is that Dutch people can complain endlessly about mosques in various places, yes. like the call to prayer and how awful that is. But like the church bells rings every fifteen minutes here, yeah. like fifteen? How? No, one hour. The ones in the city center ring like every fifteen minutes. Really? It's not like super. They are very loud. loud. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the big church. Well, um, yeah. Hopefully, this person will get some sleep. I'm uh, sure he'll. Soon, you just maybe. get used to it. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's one of these things that you know we, we've discussed this a couple of weeks ago when these people who go and live next door to a to a school and yeah. complain about school yeah. noises. Yeah. Uh, this is a similar thing, I think. Although you... I guess in his defense, you probably didn't like go stand around the house at two in the morning and see if there was any noise overnight, right? Like I I guess house it is a thing though. Yes, but I don't know how like common of a thing it is <laughs> yeah. necessarily. It's like in the Hague everyone constantly complains about the noise that the parakeets make and yet the seagulls are about four times as loud yeah. and nobody notices. Yeah. It's <laughs> Just because seagulls works. are native birds or something. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seagulls are is of course a symbol of the Pave of so yeah, yeah you can possibly complain about yeah, that. But the, whereas the Wait, parakeets the seagulls are, bright are a green. symbol of the Pave of yes. Yeah, that is it's the in most, their logo. That is the most apt description. They <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. destroy everything and shit everywhere. And make a massive noise. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> having oh weird God. haircuts, yeah. yeah. And this week, Amsterdam Mayor Femke Halsema got another rough week. Sinterklaas makes his return to the Netherlands and we discuss the shocking murder of a criminal defense lawyer. In our discussion after the break, we take a look back at the political highlight of the year, Prinsjesdag. Budget day. Budget day. Budget day. And the following two days of debates in the Tweede Kamer. The assassination of a criminal defence lawyer on his doorstep in Amsterdam has been condemned by politicians and police as an attack on the justice system. Dirk Viersum was gunned down as he left for work in the Bouterfelder district of Amsterdam on Wednesday morning. Viersum was acting for Nabil Bey, the crown witness in the long-running trial of gangland boss Ridouan Taghi and his associate Saeed Razougi. 
They're accused of ordering a series of killings in Utrecht and Amsterdam during the recent surge in underworld violence that's become known as the Mokro Mafia Wars. Prime Minister Mark Rutte and Justice Minister Fred Grapperhaus both described the murder as an attack on our justice system. The Dutch Law Society, the Order van Advogaten, said the killing was intended to be a warning to lawyers not to represent criminals who become Crown witnesses, such as Nabil Bey. Grapperhaus and Fred Vesterbaker, head of the prosecution service, said security measures around lawyers and justice officials would be stepped up. Grapperhaus also said his thoughts were with the wife and two young children Viersum left behind. He was 44 years old. Krapperhaus said, quote, The anger is great, but the grief is greater. This is such an upsetting story. It's terrible. So, uh, yeah, what is the background of the case? So, Vietnam's client, uh, Nebil Bakali, was a member of Ridwan Taghi's gang who gave evidence after he was implicated in a case of mistaken identity nearly three years ago, uh, where an innocent man was shot dead in Utrecht, um, who lived in the same block of flats as someone he was trying to kill. Uh, but his cover was blown, so he sought police protection and gave 1,500 pages of witness statements. A week after he turned Crown evidence, uh, his brother was shot dead, seemingly yeah. on the orders of Targi as an act of revenge. The brother was interviewing someone for a job, and he thought that this person yes. that came in, was he was interviewing, and then the guy shot him. Yeah, came and shot him. Yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of a, a, a message, basically, that uh, I think from uh, Taggy that anyone who uh, turns evidence against his gang is going to get killed, basically, and is going to get whacked. And uh, obviously and now... But the fact that it's now been the defence lawyer that's been um, shot dead sort of takes things to the next stage, yeah. because that's been... Really, I think as it, a lot of people have said this week, kind of unprecedented yeah. uh, in the Netherlands. And so, how is this? Um, like, how concerning is this for the for the legal system? Well, as I say, because uh, lawyers generally aren't personally involved, uh, they tend to not have been a target for criminal gangs. So that's really why it's, um, everyone's uh, expressed such shock. Of his. I mean, uh, Dirk Viersum didn't have any extra security, and in fact he said he he, he, he preferred to, to be able to cycle to work like a normal person rather than having Arnold Schwarzenegger standing next to him Fair um, on his way to work, which, yeah, I, I, I would go along with that. There's, there's been, obviously, talk of the, the lines being crossed and that criminal gangs are now trying to undermine the justice system, basically by making witnesses like uh, Nabil Bakali completely un- untouchable and obviously if you can't get then legal representation you don't have a working justice system yes. so it's extremely concerning and everyone's now asking what what happens next will judges or prosecutors need armed escorts uh, to courtrooms and of course there's the whole question of whether there's, there is the capacity to produce all this uh, extra yeah. personal security where is it going to come from um, I was listening to a crime reporter um, on the NSA podcast this week saying that uh, he'd been told um, by someone who's in the system that basically they they have capacity at the moment to, to protect about three people around the clock. If, yeah. they have the, if they have to protect a fourth person, then it gets strained. So that's the, the kind of restrictions they're operating with. Um, Fred Krapperhaus has also talked about setting up a special anti-drugs unit or a Dutch DEA, which is something we discussed last week on the yeah, podcast it was, as well. Yeah, it was immediately criticised by a lot of uh, crime journalists and yeah. other professionals who said, well, this is what the rest of the world has been doing for decades now and and it doesn't seem to help at all yeah. so if we if this will be the strategy in the netherlands then that's doomed to fail as well yeah. so we need something different you need a smarter solution yeah. if, if you just try and copy the war on drugs approach it's just going to make the situation even worse yeah exactly um but i think certainly there's, um, some crime reports from other countries have said the dutch have been a bit uh, naive and thinking that this enormous cocaine trade is not going to have you know these kinds of serious repercussions yeah. but, but i think that, yeah this will now i think provide the impetus for 
some kind of action, but to exactly what happens. You know, it's one of these situations where politicians all agree that something should be done. But, nobody but what do you do is a really yeah. complicated question. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's hard. Like they, the, this person, the, the killer, they think is a, a teenager, basically. I mm. mean, like, what, what do you do to stop brainwashed teenagers from t- committing these kinds of crimes? I mean, it's like... It's it's somewhat analogous. I know it's not quite the same thing, but I was at the ICC yesterday covering this this trial of two um, Central African Republican Central African Republic warlords, and of course one of the things that they were doing was constricting child soldiers, and they basically one of the guys was like the minister of youth and sport and stuff and pretty much used his position to kind of brainwash like teenagers into sort of believing in the cause and thinking that they needed to take up arms and this kinds of stuff. I mean, like it, it's it's not that difficult I think to like convince like impressionable teenagers to do really dumb things and like I don't know what the answer is for that in terms of a justice perspective but I think I, I, I tend to feel, get the feeling it's more prosaic than that it's just that there's so much money sloshing around yeah. in, the, in the world of in, 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 um, the, in drug trading right now I mean NSA estimated that around 5 billion euros worth of cocaine was shipped into the Netherlands in 2018 Um, and uh, there's anecdotal evidence that the cost of contract killings has gone down a lot in recent years so whereas in the past someone like William Holleder would have to spend several thousand euros to get somebody killed nowadays you you have 500 euros and you put the gun in the hands of an 18 year old and you can get the job done so the kind of psychopathic individual who's purely interested in money doesn't really care about human cost might have in the past thought twice about uh, sending out a hitman because it costs him because of the cost involved but nowadays you know, who cares so you what can you're get it done is, on the cheap what you're saying is is we need to raise the cost of yeah of ordered, basically of ordered murders yeah. basically yeah there should we be a minimum to get some tar- economists tariff. on it yeah, yeah they should basically. have to charge bay like it, it, you, <laughs> easily you could make this paperwork like a mess and then it would you know really deter people i yeah. think from engaging no i mean seriously there's been they've been in, in generally you know, um uh, most forms of crime have gone down, but one thing that has gone up in recent years has been assassinations yeah. and 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 hired to hitmen because it's it's a lot easier to arrange. And there's so let's say cocaine dealers have so much spare cash now right. that they don't they do do it at the drop of a hat. Um, but on the other hand, a lot of experts are saying it's not too late to stop things getting out of hand, and perhaps this incident will as tragic as it is, will galvanise the state into taking some kind of action. Yeah, well, let's hope that they make good decisions, I think, about it. Yeah, even though we don't know what the good decisions are. No, I mean, I, know, I, I would be very interested if anybody that's listening has, you know, seen some academic research or heard something that seems like it's, like, a productive... I would be interested in reading something, because I don't, I don't have any good suggestions for this. Yeah. In other bad news for Amsterdam, it continues to not be a great week for Amsterdam's first female mayor, Femke Hausma. Over the summer, her 15-year-old son was stopped by police after breaking into an unoccupied houseboat with an illegal weapon and emptying a fire extinguisher into a canal. Which What's the Dutch word for fire extinguisher? Brandblusser. <laughs> it's a great word. As the mayor, Hausma is the head of the city's public safety, so the case against her son was transferred to Harlem to ensure that there was no conflict of interest. This wasn't good enough for the Telegraph, who ran an unprecedented three-page, front-page feature about the underage boy's dumbass actions and accusing his mother of a cover-up. Hausma wrote a letter to her constituents saying that her son needed to take responsibility for his actions, but that he shouldn't be punished because of his mother's job. This week, though, things got worse. After Hausma's husband gave an interview to the NRC in which he admitted the gun wasn't a fake or a replica, as previously had been reported, but instead was a genuine revolver that had been deactivated. Film producer Robert Oy admitted that the revolver was taken from a drawer of the mayor's residence on the Herrenkracht, where he lives with Thumka Hausmann. He said he owned it for several years and had used it as a prop on movie sets. 
He went on to say, in what must be the dumbest thing ever said to a newspaper, there are loads of unopened boxes in the cellar of the mayor's residence. I need to have a good think about what's in there. I have boxes with all kinds of equipment in it, including a Japanese knife. <laughs> this, this Someone get this man some media training. <laughs> yeah, my this, God. this interview was a train wreck. It was, it was a not train a car wreck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. if you can read Dutch, you should go find this interview because it is so bad. It is quite yeah, uh, gruel, yeah, yeah. Uh, gruesomely fascinating. It's, yeah. But um, yeah, but I think he sort of had to. Do, NSA had the story, but I think basically because he was about to be questioned by the police about yeah. his weapons, so I think they went to him and said, "We know about this." And so he, he kind of thought, right, well, I better come clean then. Uh, and the mayor, she has claimed that this is a private residence, though, but it is owned by the city. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's a bit like sort of complicated because the city maintains an official residence for the mayor, which includes a private apartment for her and her family. Some of the rest of it is used for like you know signings and like this kinds of stuff. Um, Wouldn't it be amazing if the mayor of Amsterdam would close her official residence because she has that power as a mayor? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because there are all sorts of illegal <laughs> weapons there. Right. And been crazy. Um, and as Gordon was saying a minute ago, um, the reason that he sort of gave this interview is because the NRC knew that he was about to be interviewed, the, the husband or the boyfriend, I don't know if they're married, um, Oi was about to be interviewed by the police because they mm. were aware that this weapon, they thought that the weapon had come from him. Um, so he felt sort of, I think, forced to get this interview with the NRSA. I just don't understand why, like, no one, they just didn't hire somebody mm -hmm. to give him, like, a couple of hours of, like, media training well, and have just, a lawyer some, sit in on the exactly, interview. Exactly, just have like, somebody, a lawyer yeah. or somebody from the PR team on the council. There's rack. about 20,000 people working in that office. Yeah. One of them could have just sat with him and said, don't do anything. Don't say anything stupid like, oh, yeah, well, I, might, I might have some uh, illegal Japanese swords yeah. as well. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, I do feel somewhat bad for the situation because it's like such a weird confluence of events like that you're a mayor but you're like married to someone who's a movie producer and that like movie producers use lots of props and so like unsurprisingly yeah. you're gonna have like weird stuff in boxes like I kind of get what his sort of point was and it's extra weird because of course the city owns this house so it becomes more of a thing of like official as opposed to it being like a private residence but it is your your private residence I mean we would all be very weirded out if the city was like running security cameras in the bathroom at the mayor residence right like that kinds of stuff so i think it creates like weird stuff regardless it's a train wreck of an interview police in brabant have arrested a 36 year old man for vandalizing graves and the monument at a cemetery in mirlo in brabant where 664 british soldiers and one dutch soldier are buried Dozens of gravestones, a wall and a chapel were daubed with paint last week and workers have been working all weekend to try to remove it. They uh, completed the cleanup by Tuesday when the cemetery hosted an event marking 75 years since the area was liberated. The man arrested at the weekend is said to be from Mirlo itself and according to Dutch media has had contact with the police before. According to some reports he has a history of psychiatric problems. Hundreds of Allied soldiers died in Eastern Brabant on September 17, 1944, as part of that campaign to liberate the Netherlands. The Commonwealth Grave Commission said it was appalled by the vandalism. We are also uh, liaising closely with local police to try and uh, prevent any further damage to the site, the organization said. Yeah, these are uh, one of these things that, you know, you have these um, these graveyards these uh, uh, where all these soldiers are lying. And for some reason, it, it, it very often and regularly attracts these kind of mm -hmm. vandalism. 
racism yeah. and uh, this sort of damage. And it didn't seem to be like politically motivated, although there was like political. Yeah, stuff there written. were some. There were some writings on yeah. uh, on on the graveyards. Uh, it was probably someone who believes in all sorts of conspiracy yeah. theories, mm. and I think he he commented on that as well, also with a lot of typos and. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. The impression that I got is this was someone who has psychiatric problems as opposed to like some sort of yeah. organized anti-British no, soldier yeah, thing. No, that, I'm not that wasn't sure. the case. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, very often this also this is this sort of damages are also done by for, for example youth who yeah. who who, who have been teenagers young, are or teenagers are idiots. And yeah the, 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 the thing with these places is uh, they are maintained by a lot of um, volunteers yeah. and uh, yeah they, they, it should have been you know they should do this because you know these people fought for our freedom and mm. but also part of showing our respect to them is uh, cleaning up this these sort of vandalism as soon as possible yeah. right and uh, yeah we, we just have to thank these people who uh, did so much work to yeah. Uh, yeah. to to clean these graveyards. Yeah. And obviously it was urgent because it happened literally a week before they're supposed to have a ceremony in yeah. the graveyard. Less than a week, like five Doesn't days. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I think was, uh, I read just about every single grave was vandalized. Yeah. So you know, it was, it was every a big, single one yeah. of them. Yeah, the wow. pictures were really yeah. intense. You, you very, should go look up the photos yeah, because it was it's a really, really intense job really, to yeah. clean this up. Well, luckily uh, they they managed that. And yeah, uh, yeah. So shout it's, out to uh, the graveyard volunteer workers who yeah. spent their weekend cleaning up this mess. I, I'm just wondering how how uh, what what kind of measures you can do to try to prevent this. I mean, you can put a fence around these these graveyards, but that's yeah. all you, you can do actually, yeah. right? So you don't really want to do that, do you? You don't want to restrict access to. No, you put in motion sensor lights or some yeah. stuff like mm. that that makes oh, yeah. it a little more yeah. obvious. That I makes think. sense. The National Sinterklaas procession in November will only include Pete's with sooty faces, according to public broadcaster NT Air, who organizes the event. The decision not to have any more Pete's in blackface makeup was taken together with the Appledorn City Council, which is where uh, uh, Sinterklaas is going to arrive this will year. Will the Canadian Prime Minister join the uh, No, because he only does brown face, not uh, blackface. Uh, okay. And he hasn't done it for 15 years, uh, although the, 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 the photos keep turning up. Yeah, it's they? funny yeah. how that works. Last year, there was a mix of blackface and Sooty Pete's in the procession, which was broadcast on live television. NTR first introduced Sooty Pete's in 2014, and officials said earlier that the change would be phased in over a few years, follow campaigning by anti-racism activists. The Sinterklaas Journal, a popular children's program which follows the adventure of Sinterklaas, will only feature Sooty Pete's, and NTR said. This is a historic day, said Jerry Alfie of the campaign group Kick Out is Word to Pete. This is the day that many black people in this country have waited for. Uh, clearly, I am on the side of we should not have blackface. But the group, the pro Zwarte Pete group is called Delete Zwarte Pete, Zwarte Pete Neat. And that is a much better name for a group. <laughs> <laughs> Delete Zwarte Pete Neat. Yeah. 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 It rolls yeah. from the tongue. It's much yeah. better. It yeah. does. Woo boy. Who wrote the script? <laughs> Well, like, yeah, it's in the script. You have to say yeah, it. Yeah, I have you, have to, it. you have to say it a little more like emphatically. I said it once. No, you have to say it again. You have to <laughs> Woo boy. So how did that go down? <laughs> how did that go down? My new favorite game is going to be writing weird things for Gordon to say in the script. You know, people are racist and garbage, but few of them in uh, than in previous years. Mm. Research by uh, E&O found that 44% of people questioned supported the introduction of the sooty-faced peats or other variations in appearance compared to 32% when the survey was last carried out over two years ago. Yeah, this isn't a brand new thing, is it? Because RTL uh, switched to sooty yes. peats last year, so that was kind of the precedent. I think yeah. in like cool. 10 years we'll finally finish the phase out and then we don't have to talk about this anymore. The black no, phase will. out? The... B- 
Read the damn script. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when is uh, Sinterklaas this year? Uh, Sinterklaas festivities kick off in Alperdorn on November 16th. That's when Sinterklaas arrives. And of course, the Sinterklaas holiday itself takes place on December 5th. Good. Okay. So uh, which Dutch tradition should uh, we foreigners move on to wrecking next, uh, do we think? As um, we discussed at the monthly meeting, Gordon, it's eating drop. That's what's going. Well, not the start of the herring season? Because mm-hmm. I'm quite... Uh, you're voting for herring and Molly's voting for Trump I mean I don't know we we rule things by democracy there so I like the herring eating I just want to get rid of all the terrible bands playing in the background (laughs) with with the speakers turned up too high herring is disgusting but I actually think drop is worse so I'm going with drop Hmm. I'm going for herring I don't like herring you're not invited to the meeting you're a Dutch person be quiet Paul okay in sports news, PSV Eindhoven host Ajax on Sunday in the Eredivisie's first big clash of the season. Both clubs go into the game on the back of good results in Europe. Ajax kicked off the Champions League group stages with a stylish 3-0 win over French club Lille, while PSV beat Sporting Lisbon 3-2 in their opening Europa League match. In other Europa League games, Azad Alkmaar came away from Belgrade with a draw against Partizan, while Feyenoord went down 1-0 to Rangers FC in Glasgow. This evening, this Friday, Twente Enschede will go top of the Eredivisie for around 48 hours if they can beat Heracles Almelo in the early weekend game, which is quite an achievement for a newly promoted club. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, but there was also some sad news on the football front. Yes, uh, there was a minute silence before the Rangers final game for Fernando Rixon. Uh, he died this week at the age of 43 of motor neuron disease, uh, which was announced uh, when he was first diagnosed on a De Door. And his progress was followed uh, quite uh, in quite some detail uh, in the sports media, including a uh, statue being unveiled to him at yeah. uh, Fortuna Sittard's ground. Yeah. Uh, Rixon played as a defender for Fortuna Sittard and Azet, uh, but he was best known for the six years he spent at Rangers, uh, where he won two league titles. He was voted Player of the Year in 2005. He left behind a stack of fond memories and some cracking anecdotes. Um, and he played 12 times for the Dutch national team as well until he was sacked by Dick Advocat because he turned up drunk um, for the team bus <laughs> the morning after a game against uh, Belarus. He turned up just fine, Gordon. <laughs> do, not, do not disparage Dick Lawyer's good name. Uh, no, 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 this is Fernando Rickson, oh, not Dick Lawyer. Oh. No, Dick Lawyer would oh, never that, turn up drunk no, anyway. No, he would never Come turn on. up drunk. Come, Come on. on. That's just a ridiculous suggestion. Can't believe you even thought it. <laughs> PSV manager Mark van Bommel, who played with Rickson at Fortuna and then later for Arania, said he would remember his teammate as a, quote, true fighter. And uh, was there also a minute silence in Glasgow for him? Or? Yes, well, uh, they were playing, um, uh, Rangers were playing Feyenoord on Thursday night, which was actually the night after ah, his death was announced. Okay. Oh, so wow, that's, that's, that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, very sad. And he was really, the, he became a symbol for... Uh, for he was quite a character, with, uh, wasn't he? He was, uh, he, he was a character <laughs> as a football player, but yeah, yeah when, when, when he announced his, uh, his disease on mm. the Wereldrijd door, he, he also became a, a, yeah, a sort of figurehead for, for this uh, for Yeah, because he's very public about it. He published an autobiography, um, I think it was written with uh, Vincent Janssen, the sports journalist, and uh, yeah, it was he was in, in, he was absolutely a very uh, yeah he, he very much he he lived in the spotlight, and then when he was dying, he also didn't uh, shun the publicity either. I think a lot of money was raised yeah. uh, through his efforts uh, for the what's an absolutely awful disease. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he will be missed. Yes, definitely. <laughs> We'll be discussing Budget Day, which for some reason everybody insists on calling Prinsjesdag after this word from our sponsor. 
Hey you, you listening to the podcast for free. We're really glad you all like our OPEF coverage and dick lawyer jokes, but it costs money to bring them to your ears. If you have a few extra bucks and you would like to support the work we do, you can now back us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to donate. We will give a shout out to all our backers on the podcast. If you donate 50 euros, Gordon will dedicate the next podcast to his love of lavender stroopwafels. For 75 euros, Molly will watch one entire football match. And for the low, low, low amounts of 100 euros, I will vote for the Socialist Party in the next election. So please go to patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL to support us and keep Truby fed, which is very important. Traditionally, on the third Tuesday of September, The Hague was the scene of the most beautiful day of the year. Budget day, or as the Dutch like to call it for some reason, Prinsjesdag. Mm. I really don't know why they call it Prinches. No, why is it called Prinches? There's no Prinches involved, is there? And I don't think there ever have been. But there is a budget, which is why we should call it budget. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. We just settled uh, this issue (laughs) right now, right here. Uh, On this day, the king and queen uh, took a glass carriage carried by eight Gelderland horses to travel the whopping distance of 800 meters from Noordeinde Palace to the Riddersaal on the Binnenhof to officially open the parliamentary year. We should say as well at this point, they took the glass carriage because the carriage they usually take, the golden carriage, is uh, in for renovations, isn't it? Exactly. They're they're, they're trying to quietly get rid of all the racist uh, (laughs) insignia. I think we will never see the golden golden carriage ever again. I think they will just... uh, uh, Actually, I like the glass carriage much better it's, yeah. it looks uh, much more elegant much more beautiful it is more, it's, it's classier isn't it, the yeah there, the yeah. golden carriage yeah. looks like something um, Donald Trump uh, <laughs> would, would use <laughs> for his wedding I think yeah. uh, so the king and queen they were escorted by a parade of soldiers military bands police and parachuté all dressed up in their finest ceremonial uniforms and they were also accompanied by a lot of Belgian horses because yes. uh, the Dutch royal uh, family does not own and, and also the military do not own enough horses uh, for this parade so they have to uh, to hire and and borrowed them from Belgium. Mm. Inside the medieval Riddersaal Hall, the king delivered a speech from the throne to a joint session of both houses of parliament, outlining the government's plans for the next year. And after the king and queen returned to their palace to wave uh, from a balcony to a crowd, finance minister Wopke Hoekstra walked to the Tweede Kamer, carrying the famous briefcase containing the government's budget, which he formally offered to the parliament. So uh, as part of the tradition, we have to we have a lot to cover here. But yes, as part indeed. of the tradition, the, uh, the women uh, who were lucky to be invited to the Riddersaal were wearing we're wearing some hats. So what did we uh, think of this year's hats? We have not answered the question yes. which we posed at the top of the podcast. Which How is, are did you? That's late. Oh, that's is it? Okay, yeah. okay. No, okay. I want to talk oh, about it now. you want to talk about it now? Okay, well. No one cares about the apparently hats. We, apparently we don't have a script anymore. No. Um, no. Yeah, uh, there was, a, there was a, a surprise here because yes. Willem Alexander, he, he did it the king did this more often he you know during the summer as politicians uh, it's a, it's becoming a trend yes. they grow a beard beard during the summer and then shave them off after the summer mm-hmm. but willem alexander showed up on an official occasion uh, last week wearing his beard yeah, still with his beard still, still with, with his beard, beard. So, so the question was raised will this be a keeper or not yeah well now he's actually delivered the speech in the throne with his beard i think he's got to keep it at least for this year so what I mean, is the answer? The, yeah, the answer is, is first yeah. of all, what is the answer? Did he keep his no. beard? He kept the beard. He did. He, he kept, kept the beard. beard. Yeah. yeah. Did and we like really... the beard? Yes. It I like the beard. Him. I think yeah. the beard suits I agree. him. I think yeah. it suits yeah. him. Yeah. 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 It makes him look a lot more ginger as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm a personal fan. Yeah. He almost outshone his his wife with the. She was dressed up. Yeah. Beautifully, of course. But yeah, he he really took the spotlight here, which is which is the first time actually. I think it must be the first time in about 130 years that the speech has been delivered through a beard because it was. You know, queens all the way from about 1890. Yeah, so I think the first. I, I guess 
that's the speech from the throne was uh, in 1904, so ah. I don't think it was even. So it's uh, the first ever. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. First but we have to fa- we have to fact check this. We, we should, yeah. come back we should fact check it. Okay. Yeah. So the hats. What did we think of that? I unfortunately was stuck in the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg <laughs> during the whole thing and have seen very little about it. Uh, luckily for you, I wrote a script with some, uh, with some uh, remarks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Mariana Tima, the part time from the Deera, she always does something like really crazy and over the top. Yeah. Uh, she had an insect dress. Paul has written the script to draw attention to the alarming decline of biodiversity of insects in the country. Seems like something from the part time from the Deera. Would do. Although interestingly, she was, um, there's a picture of her standing in a field with this dress on and someone pointed out that uh, if she actually stood on the pathway rather than in the field she'd be less likely to crush the insects this is true yeah this so was Boswachter Tim yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian Uni MP Carla Dick Faber wore a dress made of seaweed she wanted to make a statement against fast fashion and address the issue of people seeing clothing as a disposable item yes. I don't know what that has to do with seaweed but okay yeah me neither yeah. but th- at least that was what she uh, said in the interview uh, in light of the 75th anniversary of the Dutch liberation and as a tribute to the Dutch military, Defense Minister Ank Beiveld uh, wore a dress made of patchwork pieces of uniforms from the four armed services of the Netherlands, yeah. which I did see a photo of. I did not think it was the most attractive dress, but I do think that like it was a really, really symbolism nice, is nice sentiment. Was the nice. symbolism is yeah. really good. Yeah, and she wore what looked like a kind of, sort of resistance uh, berry or something. Yeah. You top it yeah. Off as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but in terms yeah. of hats, I think we have uh, a, quite a disappointing year. Yeah, it was hats. a disappointing were, yeah. hat. Yeah, yeah. I thought Vodka Hoekstra's wife, she showed up in quite a sort of fetching red number, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's true. Laura Lett, I think she's called. Yeah, but usually there some some yeah. women wear these outrageously large uh, yeah, hats. Yeah, there's none of that. But none, none yeah, n- not particularly, no. No, there's a de- definite Hoekstra-bezaniging. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what what was in the King's speech when he actually sat down and started speaking? Well, it was a very long speech. It almost lasted 20 minutes. Uh, there is a English translation uh, of the King's speech on the Dutch news website, which... I don't believe we wrote, but no, the, the, the government uh, always publishes ah, English translations. I was I was feeling overhead. sorry for 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 the person of Dutch who had <laughs> no. to translate this, but uh, no, I, they provide a, they provide an official ah, translation. Okay, it's okay, very okay. very useful. Yes, well, the king said in his speech that the country is entering a period of modest economic growth, but he also gave a profit warning because the economy is vulnerable to all sorts of external factors, such as turbulence on the global market, uh, trade conflicts, and also the prospect of Brexit casts uh, a long shadow. Yeah. Well, I was disappointed that Brexit Muppet did, wasn't, wasn't on the doorstep <laughs> of the Riddersal, you know, yeah, walking everyone's way there. in. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, these uncertainties on the short and long term forces us to rethink how the Netherlands will earn its living and how we r- remain a country with good public services key to the cabinet's plans this year is to give uh, people security in terms of work and a decent income the recent pension agreements and climate agreements are part of the process of making the economy ready for the future and the king also said that this was quite surprising he he literally said that uh, there's not a single dutchman to whom the koopkracht plaatjes apply we should explain the koopkracht plaatjes a bit because what is a koopkracht plaatje who wants to explain this first you have to translate it Um, the Spending power uh, figure, I think. Yeah, spending yeah, power figures. Yeah, you always have these kind of tables or spreadsheets or sort of a, a big in-depth analysis done of exactly, where they try and calculate exactly how the budget will affect various income groups. And it's always somehow magic. It's done by the CBS, the Statistics Service, but it's always somehow magically engineered to show that everyone will be better off yes. yeah. after every budget. Which, so it's kind of meaningless. And it always, it's always done to this nearest tenth of a percent as well. Yeah. There's a the illusion that somehow the government can predict to that level of accuracy how much better you're going to be off by the end of the economic year. Yeah. But for the king, actually, 
actually to come out and say that this the is government kind of, saying the government yeah. and, oh, and Hookstar kind of said something similar as well yeah. in the speech yeah. said the seas are not guarantees which is kind of a thinking, big culture shift away from this sort of notion that you can you can plan your economy you know exactly. to, to within an inch yeah. of its life yeah. I mean you know it's it's hard for the Dutch who are used to sort of putting <laughs> things in their agenda and they write down you know yeah. 2022 we're going to have an economic recession starting on February 15th so yeah. I think it's a uh, I think it's. I think we, we should keep them in our thoughts and prayers for that adjustment <laughs> during this difficult time. Yeah, yeah. The, the king said nobody is a median of a statistic model, yeah. mm. which is true. But yeah, on the same time, you. I mean, I think it's it's a blessing that we have these agencies that calculate these stuff. I mean, it it it, it forces politicians to actually think about yeah. what it what their. Yeah, yeah. It does make them more accountable. But, but, a, a good side but it, it is yeah. true <laughs> that uh, in the last recent years we've uh, leaned too much on these economic models, models and yeah. predictive. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the government's plans, Paul, were already leaked in the weeks before Budget Day. But what's what are the main points of the budget? What do we got here? Well, there is a, a huge list, and you can all find it on DutchNews.nl. Uh, but I think the um, one of the one of the major Plans that is announced is the investment funds uh, that's coming yeah. up. Um, uh, how 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 much money there will be in this fund is is still uh, a matter of uh, of debate. Yeah. But it's uh, intended to sort of invest in big projects in the Netherlands, such as infrastructure and and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of upheaf about who actually came up with the idea of the investment fund. There yeah. was a fight between Wopke Hoekstra <laughs> and Erik Wiebes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they all uh, claim the. Uh, they all claim the credits. Don't they they yeah. all claim the credits. Yeah. It's quite interesting in the leaks before the budget uh the, 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 there was a very specific figure of 50 billion um uh, knocked about but then when hookstra was actually delivered his budget he refused to give an exact figure he said it's going to be exactly. somewhere in the tens of billions yeah. but yeah. i'm not going to say exactly how much yeah so. which is interesting because yeah. they say we want to have this fund for uh because we have an economically better times but usually when when the governments uh, come up with these sort of funds that that's usually when 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 the country's in a recession yeah. so it's interesting to see that uh, the, the the timing is interesting yeah but there will also uh uh, yeah, B, um, uh, let me see. Yeah, so the government in total will spend 302 billion euros mm-hmm. uh, and uh, 303.5 billion euros will uh, come in. So that's a surplus of 3.4 billion euros. So yeah, that's always what the government is aiming for, a surplus. So mm. good, uh, job. good job, them. Yeah. And also the government debt will be, for the first time in decades, lower than 50% of the yeah. GDP. Also very impressive. So that's also very uh, uh, impressive. Mm. There will be measures uh, to help first-time buyers of houses because yeah, housing is a really big problem uh, in the coming years. Uh, there will be There's a tax break announced uh, uh, which will be gradually reduced to 5,000 euros. Uh, yeah, so that's very sad. Um, and also, you, the sound, real... you sound extremely sad. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a freelancer. So <laughs> no, I can tell. Really yeah. no, we can a tell. lot of freelancers are kind of up in arms about this. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, no, it's, it's kind of it's a tax-free income. No, no, it's not. It's, it's the amount you can deduct yeah, from your the income, you isn't it? Yeah, the amount you can deduct from your income, uh, is, which is currently around about seven thousand euros. Yeah. I, think, I think it's off seven top of my and a half now. Yeah, it's now going to be reduced. So freelancers are not happy about this. Yeah. I think it's kind of part part of the drive. I think the government wants to encourage more fixed contract work, which in itself is a good thing. So let's do that by punishing squeezing freelancers is maybe not the best way to do it yeah there will also be a um a corporation tax for small firms with, uh, with less than two hundred thousand euros profit a year uh yeah they don't have to pay any taxes so that's yeah. good news for them uh multinationals will have to pay corporation taxes from 2021 so mm. that's also very that's very the kind of news. should have been doing in the yeah. first place yeah <laughs> in, indeed but it's it's good uh, that they're closing, they, uh, the they're closing yeah. the loopholes here uh, and uh, also, um, ministers expect health insurance premiums to rise up uh, with three euros a month. But Which is the um, yeah. yeah, 
but the own risk payment will not be um, increased or adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's good news too. And then there's a lot of other stuff. Because yeah, there's, 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 there's various spending uh, plans, including like defense. Uh, it's going to be a bit more money. I think education, although I think one of the things um, uh, that the government was being criticized for was not spending enough to um, address the teach- shortage of teachers. Mm. Yeah, Lots of kids are being sent home because there isn't anyone to teach their class. Exactly, but a lot um, of stuff has been said in the debate about that. Yes. And uh, yeah. we will Which move we'll on, to on to the to. debate. Yeah. You went yeah. to the debate, did you not, Paul? I did, yeah, on uh, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, the second, uh, in the afternoon I went there. So tell us about the debate, how was it? Well, uh, always after Prince's Dag, it's time for the political highlight of the year, uh, the big debate on the government's budget. It's called the Algemene Politieke Beschouwingen, mm. APB, we will call it from now, because we're Dutch and we love abbreviations. Can mm-hmm. you give a, a translation for our listeners whose Dutch is perhaps not the as good as... The general political... Uh, what's the beschouwing? Yeah, was it an observation? Uh, yeah, observation? I was going to say the conversation. It's sort of a debate on the state of the yeah. union, yeah. because it's yeah. a debate actually it's on the budget. It's a kind of global debate, really, about yeah. you know, yeah, everything, all, all, everything the government Got, got planned for the next year yeah. exactly so they have yeah. a big sort of uh, analysis of it yeah. uh, and it always takes two full days uh, it involves all 14 party leaders because right now we have 14 party leaders in uh, in parliament and the prime minister mark rutte uh, on these day on these days uh, all mps are present so the entire uh, uh, parliament is full and also all the ministers are present so yeah. it's a very crowded uh, crowded day um and you know, the coalition parties are there to, of course, defend the government's plans and the budget decisions and the opposition parties will attack them on this and propose alternatives to the plans. Um, and on the first day, the stage is for the party leaders and they debate among each other and ask the questions, uh, ask some questions to the government. On the second day, the uh, prime minister responds to these proposals and to these questions. Mm. So I went there on Wednesday. So that was the day of the, the first day of the debate, the first day of yeah. the debate. Yeah. So with the party leaders, I have to say the debate with uh, Mark Rutte himself that's always the, the most fun day yeah. I, I think but I didn't have time so I just went on, uh, on Wednesday I will Wednesday. just give a plug to the fact that just any random person can just go to the parliament yeah. when they're having it in session and you don't have to do anything in advance you, I mean you do have to check all your crap at the door you can't yes, go in but you don't have to stuff, book in but you don't have to, book in. That, you yeah. don't have to be approved you don't have to be a Dutch national even if you don't speak Dutch I think I went very early on when I had first moved here and it's just kind of cool to like yeah. see kind of how everything works even if you don't really understand like what's going on so i i highly recommend that if you're in or around the hague that you go yeah. agree so yeah. how was the debate paul uh quite boring yeah i have to say it was very calm uh it was there was no spectacle no personal attacks no drama as uh, you know we've seen increasingly more in the, yeah. in the in the past years it was a substantial debate and at times even reflective um the party leaders asked serious questions about policy proposals and the budget and it, it was almost as if uh, you know, the party leaders finally learned uh, what the debate was about. And uh, yeah, it was a really substantial debate. So it was the, it's the kind of debate that we all say we want. But in truth, what we really want yeah. is to be able to like tweet out funny things. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I'm there for the drama and for the spectacle. So I was uh, was a bit disappointed, disappointed this year. Yeah. This year. Yeah, oh, well. yeah. 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 The opposition didn't give the cabinet a hard time. Uh, and there was some sort of overall willingness to find compromise, even yeah. even by Cherry Boudet. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even even yeah. he sort of said, yeah, the, maybe the, he felt like the government was listening to him so maybe he was just in a good mood because his girlfriend came with him to the uh, (laughs) his fiance his fiance yes why was it more muted uh, this year do you think Uh, yeah well i don't really have an explanation for Mm. that the political commentator of news said it has to do with the fact that there are no more elections this year and that parties do not feel the urge to really 
profile themselves. I don't really agree with that because that would mean that we would have seen similar yeah. types of debates before. We didn't really have that yeah. before. And also, you never know for sure when the next election is coming. You know, something no. could happen in three yeah. months' time. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bang, exactly. But the, the, the government, uh, the coalition does seem a bit more stable than last year. So yeah. I don't think anyone mm. expects right now that there will be uh, elections uh, very soon. Yeah. Um, what might have to, yeah, w w w what might be an explanation is that the coalition lost its majority in the Senate and that the opposition you know basically took the strategy of being nice and constructive in the hope to find some common ground and increase their influence on the uh, cabinet's policies yeah. and this kind of works two ways isn't it because Rutte very much sort of approached the opposition as well after he lost the majority in the senate to get support for the policies so he, he always does that that's yeah, what yeah, he do, what he yeah, does best yeah. but yeah that could only be true for Links and Labour, who you know single-handedly can yeah. can can support the government in the Senate there, uh, and the third reason might have to do with the murder of the lawyer um, Dirk Wiersum. Dirk Wiersum. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it shocked the entire Parliament, of course, and it may have led to take a more you know serious tone in the in, at least in, on the first day. Um, opposition parties, uh, Links, SP and Labour showed their willingness to be constructive. They, they literally said, we want to uh, find some common ground here. Uh, the Socialist Party, you know, they used to attack and criticize the Prime Minister all the time, especially last year when uh, when the scrapping of the dividend tax was the number one issue. Mm. We didn't have really, really one single issue right now. And yeah, they literally said, we are willing to look together to solutions. and. Uh, also, uh, Labour leader Lodewijk Usher he he thanked the cabinet for uh, for the for their hard work. So yeah, it was uh, it was a really <laughs> nice debate. It was kind it of was a loving, really. Yeah, it, it, was, was, uh, it was. I have I have sort of two theories as to why it was it was so nice. One I think is is that like you said, Paul, there wasn't really a big single issue. Like it's hard to be really mad at stuff when the government's like you know the economy's growing and things are fine and we got a little extra cash to spread around and like that kinds of stuff. I also think that, like, there's some sort of Dutch pragmatism of, like, looking at the vitriol that is existing in the UK and the US right now and just going, like, we don't want to be a part of this. Mm. Like, this seems really awful. Nobody is sort of benefiting from this really ugly, entrenched, nasty, like, political warfare. And well, yeah, Jesse Klaver talked about this, yeah. interestingly enough. He, he said, uh, yeah, he, he, he talked about politics itself, and he yeah. said that during the summer he came to the conclusion that we should get rid of what he calls scoreboard politics yeah. mm -hmm. what, what you say scoring ports being yeah. the first to yeah. address an issue and to uh, request a debate because what we see now something happens in the news there is some ophef politicians run to 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 the tweede kamer and request yeah. a debate uh, but you know there is this enormous waiting list of debates waiting to happen yeah. and when this debate actually happens in three months nobody will cares anymore cares yeah. anymore or remembers what even the topic was about yeah. and uh yes Klaver looked at that and he said this is not um, beneficial for the quality of the politics yeah. and he pledged on in the Tweede Kamer uh, uh, on, on Wednesday that he will scrap two-thirds of the 32 debates that are currently on the waiting list uh, requested by GroenLinks yeah. mm -hmm. in order to reduce the pressure from 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 the agenda uh, and he called on uh, other MPs to to join with on yeah. this pledge and a lot of uh, a lot of politicians did the SP, CDA, VVD as well um, yeah, so they are they are sort of stepping away from the yeah, yeah. what he calls the scoreboard politics. They're trying to deliberately kind of turn down the heat a bit, aren't they? Some yeah, trying yeah, to have yeah. more kind of mature, reflective debates that yeah. don't just uh, yeah, and take a more serious solutions. tone basically. Yeah. And he also said that uh, we, we he he wants some debates about like long term visions. 
Yeah. Uh, what what do we want with the country? Where do we want to go? Rather than uh, talk about the day-to-day -day business and the day-to-day opheth. -day and yeah. uh, uh, this is something that Thierry Baudin, for example, also proposed yeah. two weeks ago. Mm. He was sort of left. Uh, yeah, uh, people left about that. But uh, I mean, it's because he said it in Latin and then attempted yeah. to sing some opera, so no one can take <laughs> it seriously. Yeah, exactly. But maybe uh, Jesse Klaver took some inspiration of that yeah. proposal, and I think yeah, that's that's very mature it might be a bit boring in the coming years but yeah, yeah it's um it, it's it's a shift of how do you say that yeah tone shift of tone yeah, yeah. Sh shift of tone yeah. Yeah. approach maybe yeah. shift of approach yeah that was the word i'm looking for yeah. they're really if, trying something different now i think yeah it kind of feels like yeah you know, after kind of about a decade of sort of very um polar polarized and increasingly polarized uh, positions everyone's got a bit sick of it and well, um there's this been this kind of drift towards the center and also i think for even someone like Rutte, who in the past was a very kind of aggressively kind of pro-business and the, he's kind of now abandoned that sort of very hardline uh, stance and drifted more and started saying things like, right, we want companies to raise wages. So he's become more kind of... Dijk basically <laughs> renounced neoliberalism yeah, on the was, stage there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we see this shift of Fond of Every Day from being a party for big corporations and big multinationals towards a more... Uh, a party more for the yeah Dutch. And they want more kind of social engagement by yeah. business yeah, as well and, and which would be un, un, unthinkable for them like a year ago uh, it's the idea that if you are a big corporation and you uh, use a lot of the resources in the country uh, we expect you to give something back yeah. to the to the society yeah. pay your taxes and also maybe get involved in these uh, uh, social issues and help uh, uh, help your employees uh, pay them pay them a decent salary and don't just increase the bonuses for your managers and yeah. for your uh, CEOs yeah. and yeah that's really a shift from uh, of the favor day from where they were yeah yeah but it was the debate I feel like was really overshadowed by this assassination and I think the like sadness and frustration and bewilderment um, at kind of the reaction yeah. to this I mean I think like we were talking about earlier there's not really a clear I mean, there's been some kind of the head of the police service sort of came out and said, you know, we really need like a DEA and we need to be. But I, I think for the most. <laughs> Truby also does not think that we should have a Dutch DEA. Yeah. He thinks that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Even though he probably fancy being a drugs dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would love being a drugs dog. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of these things that it, it's a really terrible event, um, but it's not super clear like what to to do about it right mm, there's it's yeah. it's kind of an a it's a weirdly yeah. apolitical sort of yeah, like, the, the, thing but it's kind of a sense of helplessness yeah. you know that's, yeah. my God, they, they really didn't is. didn't see this coming they didn't think that uh, the, the criminals would go to those kinds of extremes right. and suddenly they have yeah, yeah. so Grapperhaus announced that he will set up this Dutch DEA which you know is probably not the best idea mm. and maybe the only uh, clash uh, in the in the debate was between Wilders and Mark Rutte Wilders, Wilders said we lost total control and uh, he immediately coupled the problems uh, of, of the drug crime to Moroccans, uh, people just, with Moroccan nationalities. Just aiming for another yeah. like prosecution, I guess. He, he just sounded so tired with that yeah. though, Wilders. I mean, it really is it's like, you know, he's been banging on like this for 15 years and no one's really listening to it anymore. And, and Rutter quite easily just batted it away and yeah. said, no, we had, there is a macro mafia, but it's not the same saying we have a, a problem with Moroccans. No. So what did, the, uh, what did the opposition achieve in the debate? Yeah, because they proposed a lot of other things. Yeah, well, they, they had an alternative budget didn't they the, the yeah it was uh, yeah. Uh, it yeah. was a joint uh, budget yeah. by um, SP, PvdA and GroenLinks yeah. uh, it used to be the case that every political party produced its own alternative budget and mm. also let it send it to the CPB to have it calculated yeah. uh, that uh, is sort of uh, n not anymore the fashion but these three uh, left-wing uh, po uh, political parties 
they joined up and they actually wrote a um, alternative budget. Nobody looked at it, but that's uh, another story. Yeah, so they had a lot of other ideas and a lot of proposals. Uh, uh, for example, Usher, he managed to uh, have some more money allocated to specialized clinics for youth and teenagers with psychological problems. I said Usher, but that's uh, Jesse Klaver who proposed mm -hmm. that. Malkuta also promised there will be more money to tackle the teacher shortage, but... Uh, the exact amount of money will only yeah. be released after a CAO has been agreed. Yeah, uh, Lord of Agassa was quite strong on that point, wasn't he? He said there needed to be something to something needs to be done to address the shortage of teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's also one of these these immense problems that we have right now in, in the Netherlands. That is this teacher shortage. Uh, there will also be some more money to strengthen uh, parliamentary democracy for more assistance because MPs currently only yeah. have one assistant, and if you have three or four topics that you have to cover then yeah. it's very hard to it does and also makes it very asymmetric because of course so when ministers come to parliament to answer questions they have a whole team of um, researchers they have much bigger resources yeah. where the mps who are supposed to question and hold them to account really struggle because they have one person in their office doing all their research exactly so there yeah. will be some more money to strengthen uh, yeah to 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 hire some more assistants so yeah that will also increase the quality of of uh, of the of the mps especially yeah. if you have one assistant and you have these dozens of bullshit debates yeah. about something that happened three months right. ago, then, you yeah. know, that, that also reduces the quality, yeah. of course. So, yeah, overall, we could say that they, they are working hard to uh, increase the quality of, uh, of the MPs and their work. Yeah. And there will also be some more money for a police task force against sex crimes um, uh, on top of the uh, DEA that has been announced as well. Uh, and there will also be a generation test for new policies. Uh, uh, well, they will to see if it will actually last a generation. Yeah, yeah, and if it is beneficial for younger people right now. Because right. currently um, uh, the general feeling here is that uh, people do not... Um, pay enough attention yeah. to what some policies will mean for the younger people right so, now. So the policies are, are devised and by, by and for older people because uh, that, that tends to be you know, what politicians are and also vo older voters are more likely to, to, to participate in elections. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And there will be also a youth parliament. But yes. how that exactly turns out, we, we're not sure yet. <laughs> so what other highlights uh, did you pick out uh, yeah. while you were at the debate, Paul? There weren't that many, and, <laughs> uh, but there were some. One of them was that Usher posted on Twitter the 10 secret tricks of Rutte oh. to try to sort of expose <laughs> him in his... Uh, is one of them one that uh, is the reason that doctors hate him because uh, it makes him look like 10 years younger than he really is? <laughs> is uh, one of the 10 secret, uh, secrets of Mark Rutte is, for example, uh, uh, ridiculing the opponent. For example, yeah. if he's debating with uh, Jesse Klaver, he said, I keep uh, seeing this image of you in this... Um, Mm -hmm. uh, pyjamas because he, one time he posted a photo of himself in a pyjamas right. um, and also for example um, saying sentences that are grammatically correct but do not mean anything yes uh, the that, hybrid... that's kind of a trick he borrowed from Tony Blair I think he did that a lot. <laughs> that's yeah. a standard politician yeah, it really thing. Is. come on yes but I think Mark Rutte really mastered yeah. this yeah. Usher tweeted this whole list you can uh, look it up on his uh, Twitter feed if you want to see it yeah. what else was there yeah Wilders he received a letter from, uh, from, from a voter who says that said that she uh, had to live for uh, with 40 euros a week mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, she really has a problem um, you know tying uh, tying the ends together especially because uh, her medical costs are increasing and uh, they Wilders and Rutte they come up with the idea to uh, 
go and visit her and try to yep. see uh, what exactly is the situation, what can be done about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baudet, Thierry Baudet later said that he wanted to join them as well, but mm-hmm. Rutte said that uh, they were. He, he refused him, basically. Did he specifically to... say no piano playing? Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but could be. He said, no, you, you can't join. That's basically what he said. And uh, <laughs> Thierry Baudet was really sad about that. Uh, Geert Wilders had an interesting idea. ABN Amro Bank uh, has been nationalized a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, economists say that we can sell our shares, the national shares for 8 billion euros and Rutte once famously promised to give everybody 1000 euros which never happened but if ABN AMRO is sold for 8 billion euros uh, each household can be given 1000 euros so that was the idea of uh, of Geert Wilders Mm -hmm. which is interesting what would you do with your 1000 euros Paul? Mm, I would um, buy shares in ABN (laughs) (laughs) Gordon what would you do with your 1000 euros? Um, I would probably do some uh, do some house painting yeah Yeah. I'd hire hire Paul's dad to paint my house (laughs) (laughs) what would you do? Buy dog food? No, actually, I really want this light for over the dining room table. And the only version of it that I can find is like an actual designer light. And it's like 1200 bucks. And I'm not paying 1200 bucks for a designer light. That's ridiculous. 200 euros. But I'll pay 200 euros for it if the government gives me a free thousand bucks. (laughs) So that's our roundup of the the budget. Yes. Yes. Another year, another budget day. Yeah. Uh, hopefully next year there will be some more spectacle. I hope. Yeah. I think next, they're coming up to an election next, next year. Next year, so I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to try yeah. to be here because I would like. To, I think I'm going to go. I think it's fun. So, uh, so Gordon, do you have any? Uh, do you have any Patreons for us this week? No. No. <laughs> but we do have some new ones. We do have some you, new Patreons. You are promising. We'll shout we're out, swearing we'll, we'll shout up and out down next week that and they're we'll going to get a good, a really out. proper shout out. We'll yeah. even be nice to them. Yeah when we have more time well that's uh, all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl if you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl um, and earn yourself a shout out on the podcast if you uh, donate even if it's three months late yeah yeah. We two promise. weeks come on we promise we'll get... didn't you have some from the summer no we've done those oh, okay. yeah we've yeah. done those okay. last week yeah, yeah. Uh, my thanks to Gordon Derek uh, and Molly Quell I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week